So it's good to be with everyone. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Josh. I'm one. Thank you. Um, so I'm one of the pastoral interns here at the Brook, and I titled my sermon today, Let It Rain, but I should have titled it, Let It Snow. It'd be a little bit more fitting for today. Um, but uh, before I get into what we're going to be talking about in the Word of God, uh, I first want to talk about uh, something that, that matters to both me, my wife, and one of the communities that we're part of here at the Brook. Kate and I lead uh, in RC, our, one of our real community groups, and our mission field is human trafficking, it, more in particular, fighting human trafficking. And this month is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. So for those of you who don't know what human trafficking is, human trafficking is where, where men, women, and children are being put into slavery here today, even though it's illegal all across the world, it's larger than it ever has been. Millions of people are in prostitution or in labor slavery all around the world, and Chicago is a hub for slavery in the United States. So our, our, our C, our real community group, has been going out with a ministry called Rose of Sharon, which ministers to whiz, whiz, women who are in slavery right now. Um, and pray for them, share the love of Jesus with them, and then give them an opportunity to escape those who may be enslaving them. So the enemy's traps are deep, and his schemes are more intelligent than we could ever think. But we have a big God, and so we're going to pray... The Lord do something great here in Chicago. And then as I pray, I'll pray for, for, our, for the sermon here as well. Father God, I thank you for your love, for your people, and for the people here in this room, Lord. Um, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that you would forgive our nation for allowing this festering wound to remain in our country. Lord, I pray for your mercy on us, and I also pray, Lord, that uh, the men and women and children here in Chicago that are in slavery, that you would free them in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would bless our police, uh, police forces that are fighting this. I pray, Lord, against, um, against any kind of scheme of the enemy that would stop what you're doing. And I, I pray, Lord, that you would bless ministries like Rose of Sharon that are uh, in the thick of it, and ministering to those who are in need. And I ask, Lord, that not only do you free them from slavery, but you give them a new identity in you, and that you free them from the slavery of sin. Lord, I pray as we get into the Word today, that you would fill me with your Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would be present in this room. Lord, you need no invitation, but we invite you anyway. And I pray, Lord, that... At your word, you would fill this place up with faith. I pray, Lord, that answered prayer would come from this moment, Lord. And Lord, I pray that the name of Jesus will be glorified here. Because you are worthy of all praise, honor, and glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Alright, so... Um, 
A lot of you who have sat through Pastor Eric's sermons have heard a lot of running illustrations. I am not all about that. (laughs) Me and running have a very complicated relationship. You see, I like running if it's a sport or like a competition. So if we're playing football, soccer, basketball, I'm down. I'll go until I vomit. But if it's running for exercise, I hate it. Some of you are probably in that same, that same boat. And I know that I should do it. In fact, everything that I've read about health suggests that I should run. But I hate it. Now, I think part of the problem is, is I'm focused on the, the should of running and not the reward of running. Now, that's how we approach prayer a lot. We know that we should pray, and we feel guilty that we don't pray enough, so we don't pray. And we don't pray enough because we feel guilty. At the core of it, the issue is that we are focused on the should of prayer and not the delight of prayer. Prayer is great delight. There are pleasures in prayer that are not available in any other way. In in prayer, we experience the closest intimacy with the Lord, and we see our prayers and our requests answered by the Lord. He responds to us. But isn't that exactly where many of us start getting discouraged? We've prayed, and the Lord didn't answer our request. So if one of the main benefits of prayer is seeing our prayers answered, how do we pray in such a way that they get answered? That's what we're going to talk about today in the story of Elijah. What we will find is that answered prayer comes from confidence in an answering God. Now, family, I am not an expert in this. I have had great joys in prayer, and I've seen miraculous things happen in response to prayer. But I struggle to have faith that the Lord will answer my prayers. And there are often things that I should pray for that I don't because of my lack of faith. So... I am not, my intention here is that I want to preach the Word of God boldly, not because I have mastered these truths, but because the master of these truths has spoken them. And that is worth our confidence, family. Now, before, before we get into it, I want to step back a little bit and, and set the stage for the story of Elijah where we're at. What we find in 1 Kings 16 is that during the life of Elijah, the the land of Israel was ruled by an evil king by the name of Ahab. Now Ahab and his wife Jezebel tore down all of the altars that were built to the Lord for worship, and instead they built altars and a temple to the Canaanite god Baal. Now Baal was the god of of the, the Canaanites, who were defeated by God's people when they came into the land. And King Ahab was so evil that the author of Kings describes him this way. He says, King Ahab provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, 
to anger more than any of the other kings before him. And because of his disobedience, he led the people of Israel in such a way that they also began to worship other gods and were given over to disobedience. It looked like God had lost his people. But God was not going to go out without a fight. And so he sent his prophet Elijah with a message. And that's where we get in our passage here today. Please, please stand and turn with me, if you can, to 1 Kings chapter 17. If you do not have a Bible, we have Bibles in the chairs in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, that is our gift to you. Because it's God's gift to you. The Word of God is meant for us to read and know what God has to say to us. Can someone tell me what the number is in the Pew Bibles? 279? 279. 900. 299. There we go. 299, everybody. <laughs> we're going to start with ver- verse 1 through 7. And we're going to read this here real quick. But I don't want you to close your Bibles after this because we're going to be looking at some other passages. So when you sit down, keep it open on your lap. Chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years, except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook of Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I, the, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook, brook Cherith that is, that is east of the Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And after a while the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. And actually, 8 through 9, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Go ahead, sit down. What we see here is that God sends Elijah with a message that when Elijah prays, King Ahab, the rain is going to stop because of your wickedness. And then God takes care of his prophet by telling him to, to go hide in the wilderness by the brook of Cherith here and that he will feed him there. The Lord gives him bread and meat every single day during that time period. But just as Elijah had promised, the rain stopped in the land of Israel. And so eventually, that brook of Cherith dried up. And when that happened, God still provided for his prophet. He told him, go to Sidon. Sidon is in the nation of Tyre. So go to another country, and I'll take care of you there. You'll take care of a a widow and her son. Now, while Elijah is in Tyre, in a different country... The land of Israel went through a drought for three and a half years. And this would have been a huge deal for them. 
If we went without rain for three and a half years, we would feel the impact. But for them, it was life or death. You see, much of the population relied on a successful crop or the health of their livestock just to, just to live. So when you go three and a half years without that, when it doesn't rain, the streams dry up. And when the streams dry up, the food dries up. People starve and a nation crumbles. In fact, it was so bad that King Ahab had to send his army out to scour the land just to find water to feed his horses so his cavalry wouldn't die out. Now the question is, if God loved his people so much, why did he let his people suffer so much? Why did he take something that they needed? What I propose here is that when God takes away the rain, he's actually demonstrating his love for his people. Now how can I say that? What we need to remember is it is not God who rejected his people. The people rejected their God. The people of Israel traded a relationship of blessing and worship with the Lord that brought them out of slavery for the Canaanite god Baal. Not only that, they rejected the voice of the Lord. King Ahab hunted down any prophet in the land of Israel that was dedicated to the Lord and slaughtered them. So when the Lord withholds the rain and the dew, he's giving the people what they want. Life without the God of the universe. And to make, to, to make the pieces come together, guess what they called Baal? They called him the Lord of the dew and the rain. And so he says, you know what? Here, go ahead. Let's see if your Lord of the rain and the dew will do what he says he's going to do. If the Lord would have continued to pour out rain on his people and blessing on them and keep having his prophets speak to them while they continued to worship Baal, when the Lord continued to pour out his rain, the people would have gone and worshipped Baal. They would have continued to bow down and kiss the feet of a piece of rock and live without a relationship with God. An important lesson here is, people, is that if we pray or put our trust in anyone who is other than God, God gets furious. And he does that because he cares about a relationship with us. His blessing is a sign of his love. Now, this goes on for three and a half years. And you would think that during this time, the people of Israel would turn to the Lord. But no, for three and a half years, they continue to go to Baal and pray and do rituals. And guess what? Their dead God, Baal, doesn't do anything. This is literally a showdown between gods. And it goes on until we get to chapter 18, verse 1. Chapter 18, verse 1, it says, After many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. But first, before he gives the rain, he has to deal with the people of Israel. So Elijah puts together the final match between the gods. 
It's a match between him and the priests of Baal. Pastor Eric spoke about this a couple weeks ago. What happens here is they both build altars and they say, okay, great. Both of us will pray and whichever God burns the sacrifice, that's God. And the priests of Baal, they lift up their prayers and to no surprise to anyone, nothing happens. But as soon as Elijah prays for the Lord to pour out fire, the fire of the Lord consumes not only the sacrifice, but the altar on which the sacrifice sat on. And it became clear to everyone that the only true God was the God of Israel, the Lord. And at this point, God was waiting to pour out the rain until after the people were brought to him. But at this point, they put their faith in God, the relationship was restored, and they made a covenant that they would follow the Lord. And as soon as that happens, the Lord tells Elijah, all right, now it's time. And that brings us to 18, verse 41. In 18, verse 41, it says, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed, down, bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And at the seventh time he said, Behold, a little cloud like a, man, like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. So this is how that plays out. The Lord tells tells Elijah that he's going to give the rain and to look to the sea for the rain to come. So what does Elijah do? He goes over, sees if it's raining. There's no rain. Lord, there's no rain. Go back. He goes back again, and he does it again seven times. And on the seventh time, he sees the black clouds and he knows that the Lord has answered his prayer. And he tells Ahab, go ride out because the blessing of the Lord is about to come down. The dry land and the dead fields of Israel will finally taste, the, the, taste and have their thirst satisfied of the rains of God. Family, For some of you here, you may be experiencing a spiritual drought where you feel the absence of God. Or maybe you have never had a relationship with the Lord, and you feel that absence constantly. What I can promise you is that when you do turn to the Lord, the renewal that the Lord will bring will be greater than the desert that you are experiencing. And imagine that. Elijah prays, and the Lord stops the rain. Elijah prays, and the Lord gives the rain. How can you not stand in awe of someone who has a prayer life like that? I want to find someone like that 
and have them pray for me, <laughs> right? So what was special about Elijah? How could he pray like that? Can we pray like that? And if so, how can we? Well, when we have questions about a passage of the scriptures that we don't know the answer to, it's always best to go to see if there's another part of the Bible that has something to say about that passage or about that topic. We let Scripture interpret Scripture. So that's what we're going to do right now. So I want you to stand with me one more time. We're going to turn to James 5. James 5, starting with verse verse 15. I'm sorry, verse 14. You go until you stop hearing the the pages turn. All right. This is what it says in James 5, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Now before you sit down, notice this here. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Go ahead, sit down. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. There's no difference between you, me, and Elijah. There's nothing, he's not the superman of prayer. He has no special powers inherent in his person that is not available to you and me. So, with that good news, how can we pray like that? Well, what we find in the life of Elijah is that answered prayer comes from confidence and an answering God. I'm going to give you four ways that we need to pray like Elijah. First off, in order to have the prayers of Elijah, you must have the God of Elijah. Family, we don't pray as those whose God is Baal. Not only is our God able to answer, he's eager to do so, Because he loves his people with an eternal love. And he is a God who, when when he said he was going to hold back the rain, and when he said he was going to give the rain, it happened at his will. We can have confidence that God is going to answer. If at any point... We think that the Lord is restricted, that his hands are tied, or that 
he's not going to answer or that he doesn't care about us, it's not God who's restricted. When we have a low view of God, it undercuts our prayer lives. But inversely, the cure to powerless prayers is a high and accurate view of God. So if we have a God who can answer, we need to stir up a high view of God. One of the best ways I've found to do that, I like reading, guys. But the best way that I have found to come to a high view of God is to be around people who have a high view of God. And there's plenty of them here in this church family. Be around people who love the Lord and talk to them. Ask them about how the Lord came through from them. Because the history of the church is a history of answered prayer. Now, when you have a high view of God, the next thing is, in order to have the prayers of Elijah, you must have the promises of Elijah. If we have an answering God, we need to know what kind of prayers that God answers. I, hope, I don't know if you guys knew this, but God is not in the business of handing out ponies and unicorns to everyone who asks. And you may think that's funny, but there is an entire theology and teaching out there that says that whatever your heart's desire is, if you have enough faith, you can have it. Just name and claim it. They don't ever question whether or not the Lord might want to change the heart that's asking. And so they say, name that Porsche that you've always wanted, and it's yours. Name that perfect spouse with no flaws, and you'll find him. <laughs> Family, that doesn't happen. <laughs> okay? <laughs> All right? That's not how it works. So then how do we find out where, we, where these promises are that we can pray and know that he'll answer? We find them here in the word of God. And just to make it better, there's two of them here in the passage that we just read that are super practical, that will affect every part of your day. So let's, I want to read here again, verses 15 and 16. It says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. So we see here the two promises are this. First off, the prayer of faith will heal the person who is sick. Secondly, that when we confess our sins, he will forgive us. Now, that first one might make people a little uncomfortable. The one that says, if you pray in faith, you will be healed. Makes me uncomfortable. All of us have probably prayed for someone and not seen our prayers get answered. I continue to pray for my wife. And sometimes when I pray for her, she gets worse. So, what does this mean? Well, first off, we can have confidence that the Lord is going to heal us 
because he accomplished it on the cross. Isaiah says that he has bore our iniquities and our diseases, and by his stripes we are healed. Now this full healing is experienced when Jesus comes back. All of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ for our salvation will be completely and perfectly healed when he comes back. We will be given glorified bodies. I want to give you how this is described in 1 Corinthians 15. You don't need to turn it with with me. I'll, I'll read it for you here in verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed. For this imperishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on the immortality. When the perishable puts on the, per- the imperishable and the mortal puts on the on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? That's a great miracle, family. And that will happen to everyone who puts their faith in Jesus. Now, when we pray for healing now, because that's what this passage is talking about, we are praying for what will be permanent to be made present in the temporary. Because if you get healed, guess what? You're going to get sick again and die. It's going to happen. So it's a temporary healing, but it's still healing. When we pray and we see the Lord defeat injury and disease in this life we are actually hoping for a greater miracle it's like the star wars trailer okay when the star wars trailers were coming out for the new movie i was super excited every star wars fan was and we were all talking about okay great let's watch it again what's going on here but guess what nobody pays at theaters to go see trailers The only reason why the trailer is great is because there's a movie afterwards. We are praying for healing because it is a foreshadowing of what will come. So, not everyone here will be healed, but some of us will. And that's worth praying for. One one pastor said it this way, and I loved it. He said, If we pray for 10,000 people here and 100 people get healed, 100 people get healed. (laughs) I'm not going to complain about that. The Lord is going to bring healing, not to all of us in this life, but to all of us who put faith in Jesus, that healing we brought to completion when he comes back. When it happens now, we recognize it as an echo of the kingdom to be. So let's pray with healing, family. God does it. But you shouldn't be surprised that God heals. What should surprise you is that God forgives sin. (laughs) 
We've all heard that God forgives us, and we miss the miracle that's there. Family, we have a good and loving God that has promised that if we confess our sins, He will forgive us. All of the wickedness we've done, all of the dark desires we've nursed in our hearts, when we confess that sin, it's forgiven. And what we see is the same thing that purchases our healing, purchases our forgiveness. We are healed because Jesus defeated death on the cross. And our forgiveness was purchased by the blood of God. See, the Lord, as a just and righteous God, must punish sin, our sin. But instead of us bearing the burden of that punishment... Jesus takes it on himself. And when he died, our death sentence went with it. So if you have never confessed your sins and, and had a relationship with the Lord, that is offered to you with full confidence that when you confess, you will be forgiven. No priest or pastor, no good person dead or alive, can grant you forgiveness, but Jesus can. So when we pray for healing, when we pray for forgiveness, we pray for it with the same certainty that Elijah had when he prayed for the rain to come down. Now, when we are equipped with a beautiful and captivating picture of God, and we have the promises of God before us, like the prophet Elijah We are spiritually equipped to have the faith of Elijah. In order to have the prayers of Elijah, you must have the faith of Elijah. Let me show you what I'm saying here. In verse 15 of James, it says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Faith is part of this effectiveness of prayer. Now, What we're seeing here is Elijah's asking is part of the faith. So when when God said, I'm going to stop the rain, what does Elijah pray for? That the rain's going to stop. When God says that he's going to give the rain, what does he do? He prays that the rain will come. Now, some of you may ask, if God says he's already going to do it, Why pray for it? Doesn't it actually demonstrate a lack of faith to ask the Lord to do something he's already said he's going to do? No. That's the answer. (laughs) Now let me give you the explanation. (laughs) So think about this. Parents, when your kids ask you for food, when dinner's ready, or for a hug because they're feeling lonely, are they doing it because they think you're going to hold back or because they know you're going to give it? the same thing with God. When he promises and we claim that promise, we're saying, Lord, we know you're going to keep your word, so we're asking for it. And with us, what we see in James 4.2 is it says that you do not have because you do not ask. So some of us, the Lord wants to provide for us and wants to give us wisdom for that difficult decision, 
we just don't ask him. Or we ask him over after the decision's already made. Or, to put it a different way, maybe we were praying for a long time for a family member to start following Jesus. Or we were praying for a friend to be healed. And we stopped praying. We lost faith that the Lord was going to answer it. What did Elijah do, though? When God told him that it was going to rain, and he didn't see the rain coming, and he went back and said it, Lord, where's the rain? God said, go back again. How many times did he do it? Alberto, how many times did Elijah go back and pray? Seven times. That's right, church. He prayed until the promise was given. And don't get me wrong, okay? It is a holy and righteous thing to submit to the will of the Lord in the midst of suffering. But even in the prime passage that talks about it, in, first, in 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul has a thorn in his side, probably a physical ailment, and God tells him, and he's praying for the Lord to remove it, and God tells him, no, I'm not going to remove it, because in your weakness, my power is revealed. It says that Paul pleaded with the Lord three times for it to be removed. And he only stopped when the Lord told him to stop praying. Family, there's so many of us who have stopped praying for things, and the Lord never told you to stop. So let's start praying again for the Lord to save, for the Lord to heal. Faith is in the asking. So let's ask. Now, faith is not the only thing that's key to prayer that gets answered. In order to have the prayers of Elijah, we must also have the obedience of Elijah. And we'll see this here in verse 16. It says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The character of a person matters just as much in prayer as faith does. Now, we see this in the life of Elijah. I want, I want you to note something. When we were reading James... It mentions that, that Elijah prayed twice and the thing happened. But in the story in 1 Kings, it never describes Elijah praying, not once. What it describes is his actions. What we see here is that our obedience is an indicator of our inward faith. Our actions are an extension of our prayers. When God told Elijah that he was going to stop the rain, he didn't just pray for it to happen. He went to King Ahab and said, you better repent because it's coming. When the Lord told him to go to another country because the Lord was going to provide for him, he didn't just pray for the Lord to provide for him and go about his day. He did what the Lord told him to do and go to another land. When Elijah prayed, he acted as if the thing that he was praying for was going to happen. So for us, if you are praying 
for someone to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Pray, but don't just pray. Share the good news of Jesus with them. Give an opportunity for the Lord to act and see him do his thing. Or, for, for those of us here who may struggle with lust or pornography, pray that the Lord would give you victory over sin. But, don't just pray. Get accountable. Flee temptation. And see how the Lord will give you strength and change the desires of your heart towards obedience. Faith is in the asking and in the acting. Now, when we read that, you may have been tracking with me. And you may have said, you know what? Great. I can have faith because I know that God is a faithful God. But that obedience bit, you've lost me. I can't do that. Good news for you here. Elijah wasn't perfect either. On top of that, God knows that you and I are going to sin. In fact, he knows that we're going to do it on a daily basis. And he has worked it into our prayer lives. Think about the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer says, Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. God knows what he, what, that you're going to sin, and so he's offered you forgiveness so that your prayers can be effective. Our basis of our prayers and our obedience is not that our good works are what cause our prayers to be effective. The basis of our obedience and our prayers is that in Jesus, all of God's promises have their yes and amen. So we are ushered in to a life of faith and obedience because a loving God has given us promises, has died on the cross to bear our sins, and given us the victory already. So I encourage you, family, we have an answering God. And our answered prayers will be because we have confidence in that answering God. So fuel a high view of God and cling on to the promises of God with faith and with obedience, and let's see how God is going to work. And we're going to have an opportunity to do that right here. I want to invite the worship team and the prayer team to come up. For those of you who may have had something that you were praying for before and you let it fall to the wayside, or there's, a prayer, there's, so, there's something that's burdening you, I encourage you to come up and pray with the prayer team and let's see God work. Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you that it's true. I thank you, Lord, that you poured out rain on your people back then. And Lord, thank you that even better, you've paid for our healing and you've paid for our forgiveness. I pray, Lord, that we would see both right now in this room. And I pray, Lord, that your presence would be here as we finish. And I pray that throughout the week, we would see our prayer lives ignite. I pray for Friday night, Lord, that you would fill the room with people excited to pray. And Lord, we're excited for what you're going to do here in 2020. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church family, before we uh, get ready to close up, I just want to encourage you right now.
together as a church. Pray a bold prayer right now. In your heart, you can shout it out loud. Would you pray a bold prayer? Something that maybe you've been holding back, saying, God, this is where what I'm asking. Just, just give God that prayer right now. Give it to him. Don't be shy. Don't be shy, church. Give God that prayer that's deep in your heart. Maybe this is the first prayer you've prayed in weeks. Maybe the first prayer you've prayed ever. Give it to God. Don't be afraid to stumble over your words. The Spirit of God will intercede for you. As you're praying, ask God to just purify your heart in these prayers. Ask God to do that. And as we're reminded, church, unless God said stop praying and don't stop praying that prayer. Go back twice. Go back three times. Go back seven times. Go back every day, every day, every day. Father in heaven, we confess the ways that we've just, we've given up, Lord. Father, we confess how, how we've let doubt win the day. God, we confess how we've let the fear of being let down prevent us from even praying even a prayer, God, because we don't want to get hurt. God, forgive us for doubting you. cause faith to rise in this place today, not just now, but, but do so now, we pray. Reignite our prayer life, God. Not motivated by guilt and shame, but motivated by communion with you, God. Oh, Lord, we love you. God, our confidence in these prayers is based in you, our answering God. So, Lord, we just want to acknowledge you for who you are. There is no God like you. God, we want to remember, Lord, that we serve the God of Elijah. His God's no different from our God. Nothing's changed, Lord. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. All-powerful, all-knowing, all-good, all-wise, all-seeing. This is our God. Father, we pray prayers of faith. God, we ask you to move in our midst. God, we pray that we conform to your will. That, Lord, that we wouldn't just pray prayers for help and then go live our own way, but that we'd pray and that we would live. we say, God, guide me each step, Lord. When I fail, may, may I come back to you and receive your forgiveness and get back up and keep following, God. So, Lord, we just come today broken, but, God, we come nonetheless word we received today. God, we consider it as a word from you, a timely word. Be glorified, God. Father, I want to pray for those who don't know Jesus today, and this is so foreign to them, and they're saying, I want a taste of that God. I want to know that God. God, I pray that today they would just cry out saying, God, forgive me for my sins. I put my faith in Jesus. I turn from, from my sin, and I want to live for you, God. May today be the day of salvation for that one. Oh, 
Father, we praise you, Lord. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the credit. We give you all the praise. Because you deserve it. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ who tore down that veil and gave us direct access to the throne room of God himself. Hallelujah. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's give our God. Church, if someone tells you the word of God is boring, you tell them you're not reading it right. Our God is alive and he's at work. This was a this was a timely a timely word. Thank you, Josh, for your faithfulness and uh, church family. And thank you for being attentive. Uh, we, we've got to be we've got to come with a, a, a readiness to receive from God. And sometimes, man, we come and our hearts are hard. Our these walls are put up. I've been there. I've been there. I'm, I'm fighting through it while I'm preaching, let alone while listening. But God tells us His word won't return void. It won't. So we just got to say, God, do it. Tear down those things. We're going to keep doing this on Thursday night, family. Here at 6.30 p.m. We're going to keep pulling down heaven. Keep going back to that throne room where God says there is grace for you there. But come. Come and pray. We'll be downstairs in the fellowship hall Thursday to do this. Church, let that room be filled. Let's not be shy about our prayers. But let's humble ourselves, say, God, have your way with us. I want to leave you with this. This past, uh, a couple weeks ago, um, a, a dear sister in Christ in Texas, the, the wife of Tony Evans, her name's Lois Evans, passed away after a, many, a battle with cancer. Her son, during her, his, her eulogy, said that he was wrestling with this very thing that, that, that we were talking about today. And said that he came to the realization that God made it clear that his mom was either going to live or she was going to live. She was going to be healed or she was going to be healed. She was going to be taken care of or she was going to be taken care of. And what he's saying is if God chose to do it now, that would happen. But even if she were to die, it's going to happen. And today we got that picture again. We pray in this life, but ultimately we know glory awaits eternity with our great God and healing and wholeness with him. So from, that, from this time until that time, church family, go forth in God's grace. The Lord your God is with you, and he is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. God bless you. You are dismissed. Please join us downstairs for refreshments, and join us on Thursday at 630.